Yo, so welcome to the inaugural episode of the Japan This podcast. I'm the author and host.、Uh, my friends call me Marky. You can too.、Uh, this is the first attempt at a six month project to see if a podcast version of the blog, also known as Japan This, is even necessary. Who knows? Maybe nobody really wants to listen. But,、uh, for readers who've decided to tag along for the ride, thanks for your constant love and support. Y'all rule. Um, for anyone who just found this podcast, uh, you're probably a little curious about what you're getting into. In short, this is the audio version of my occasionally profanity laden blog about Japanese history. In particular, we focus on the history of Tokyo. And the history of Tokyo doesn't really exist in a vacuum.、Uh, the name of Tokyo only dates back to the year 1868.、Uh, for most of the city's history and the village that it was before it was a city, or more correctly, a jokamachi, a castle town,、uh, the city was called Edo. So when people talk about the history of Tokyo, they often use the term Edo Tokyo to describe that continuum. I like this way of thinking about the city, so I use this word a lot.、Uh, but just like cities change and urban landscapes change, blogs apparently also change. So, what Japan this was when it began、uh, really was just a seed of what it's grown into.、Uh, originally, my intentions were to get myself in the habit of blogging consistently.、Uh, I decided to choose、uh, a different Tokyo place name. Each week, and I would tell where did this place name come from. The early articles were pretty short,、um, just a few paragraphs at the very most. And、uh, <laughs> it's very different from today because some of the articles these days are ridiculously long.、Um, and sometimes they have as much content in the footnotes as they do in the main articles themselves. And over the years, the origins, these etymologies of place names of Edo Tokyo became launch pads for kind of understanding、uh, why certain neighborhoods are what they are today. So, yeah, when people ask me why I write my blog, I generally say it's for me to use the place names to explore、uh, local areas and Japanese history in general. So, the podcast is basically going to be an audio version of the blog. There really won't be new information here.、Um, just some people like to read, some people like to listen. So, this is just a different delivery method of essentially the same content. But longtime readers know that some of the articles are outrageously out of scope. Like, I totally lost control of them. But I'm going to try to keep the podcast、uh, brief and concise. So, if you feel like a certain podcast episode is too short,、uh, please check the actual article on the blog、uh, because there's probably more information. I use WordPress as my blogging platform and they have an excellent search function. You can search by keyword, you can search by just plain text.、Um, Google also seems to handle my blog really well too. If you just type in Japan this, Colon and then whatever search term you're looking for, 
I've had pretty good results, actually. Uh, finally, just like the blog, uh, the podcast will always be free. Um, so that means my time, my research, and yeah, my time is free for you and for everyone else out there. If you want to donate, uh, please do so through Patreon. Uh, just go to Patreon, search for Japan This it'll come up. For people who are already patrons, do not worry. You are not going to be charged twice. Um, until I figure out really what I'm doing with the, the podcast, uh, or if I'm going to even continue it, like I said, this will probably be only six months. You will only be charged for the actual original research, the actual article. And since the podcast has to catch up with the blog, there's no reason to, to go back and charge for that stuff. So please do not worry. Um, you're not going to be getting billed left and right for this. Okay. Um, so since this is the first podcast, I just wanted to establish what it was and say hello to everyone out there. Okay. So since this is the introductory episode, I thought it would make sense to kind of start with one of the most important concepts for understanding Edo Tokyo. And this is something called Sankin Kotai. If you go to Samurai Archives website, a uh, great website, great podcast. I highly recommend you check them out. These guys are kind of the rock stars of Japanese history. So on Samurai Archives, they have a good definition of Sankin Kotai, and I'm just going to read that here. Sankin Kotai is the alternate attendance policy established by the Tokugawa shogunate. This system required all daimyo, those are feudal lords, to live in Edo for a certain period of time, often every other year. The daimyo were required to attend, i.e. provide service to, the shogun, and so they set up residences within the city. So I like to think of them as embassies from the feudal domains. So the daimyo would bring their samurai staff from their domains to serve in Edo, and these were essentially provincial courts that were accompanied by military staff. The daimyo residences included a small palace for the lord and domainal administration, as well as barracks for the lower-ranking samurai who accompanied the lord. Each lord generally maintained three residences in Edo, though some actually had more. The land that they occupied was granted to them by the shogunate, and it could be confiscated or redistributed at the discretion of the shogun or the loju, his uh, council of advisors. There were generally three types of domain residences, a kamiyashiki, upper residence, nakayashiki, middle residence, and shimoyashiki, uh, lower residence. So the kamiyashiki was the seat of economic, governmental, and diplomatic duties for the domain. Since the business of the domain uh, was handled here, these were generally located in very close proximity to Edo Castle, where the shogun lived. The kamiyashiki were usually the smallest of these residences. The nakayashiki, middle residence, was uh, usually for a retired daimyo, the retired lord, um, his widow, and possibly the children of the head of the family. The shimoyashiki, lower residence, 
was usually a holiday villa or suburban residence located on the outskirts of the town. These were usually large palatial estates. These, these were the biggest of them. They usually had great gardens and things like that. These would become the primary residence if the upper or middle residences were destroyed by fire or if there was some other kind of emergency. So remember, the upper and middle residences were in the center of the city, whereas the lower residences were generally in the suburbs. It's often said that the family of the daimyo were hostages of the shogun. And that's one way of putting it. But the word hostage, I think, has a really different connotation these days. They weren't really prisoners. They were living lives of extravagant wealth in these Edo-based palaces, essentially. They enjoyed beautiful gardens, delicious food, probably much better than the food in Edo Castle, which apparently was not very good. And they lived the lives of the typical nobility of their time. These were the upper echelons of the samurai class. However, maintaining three or more residences in Edo, in addition to a castle and other residences in their own domain, plus governing and feeding your domain was very costly. Also, the cost of traveling yearly in a huge procession from your domain all the way to Edo, and then again, reversing that trip and going from Edo back to your domain, put tremendous economic strain on the daimyo. And this policy is generally thought to keep them not bankrupt, but unable to raise armies and rise up against the shogun. The economic strain of Sanking Kotai on an individual domain was something like 50 to 75% of the domain's wealth. So it's a huge investment, keeping these mansions in Edo, marching back and forth from their domain, um, and keeping up appearances. So th this is a huge factor in the economics of the Edo period. Uh, so about the trip to Edo and back, um, like I said, that was very costly. The daimyo had to walk with their family and court and staff in tow. These long parades were called daimyo gyoretsu, which just means daimyo procession. These elaborate parades took weeks to carry out, but with so many domains coming and going all the time, they were a constant sight on the major routes in and out of Edo. So there are many great Edo-era prints of these and accounts from foreigners and Japanese alike uh, seem to agree that these were really something to, to see. Like People really kind of enjoyed watching the processions come and go. But that said, if you saw a daimyo coming, you had to get down on the ground and bow. Refusing to show proper respect could get you killed. So... Here's two interesting pieces of trivia to show how massive the impact of Sanking Kotai was. So first, one-third to one-half of Edo's population refreshed every year. And second, when the system was abolished, the population of Edo halved. It went from one million people to 500,000 people, almost overnight. That's pretty crazy. Because the system lasted for more than 250 years, it had a very strong impact on Edo Tokyo. And as mentioned earlier, the daimyo received their land from the shogunate. During the Meiji Restoration, these Yamanote, or high city 
properties and holdings were confiscated and repurposed. One famous example is the Aoyama family's Shimoyashiki, lower residence, became Aoyama Cemetery. So if you want to learn more about Sankin Kotai, there are two resources that I would like to send you to. The first is actually another podcast, and it's the Samurai Archives podcast. If you go to my website, which is markystar.wordpress.com, at the top of the page, you should find a link to Sankin Kotai. If you click that link, you will come to my article on Sankin Kotai. And at the bottom of the page, I have a link to the Samurai Archives podcast on Sankin Kotai. Also, I suggest an excellent book by Professor Konstantin Vaporis called Tour of Duty, Samurai, Military Service in Edo, and the Culture of Early Modern Japan. Uh, this book is essentially the Bible of Sankin Kotai in English. It's a fantastic read. Uh, it's a scholarly book, so if you are interested in the scholarly side of things, I'd definitely point you towards this book. If you're more interested in lighter reading, then just stick with my, my blog. Okay, I guess that is going to wrap it up. Uh, whatever. I'm just figuring out how to do this. Uh, this is going to be a six-month experiment. Thanks for downloading and listening. Thanks for your support. And hopefully the next episode will be ready next week. All right. Have a good one, guys. Peace.